Welcome to No Challenges Remaining from Wimbledon on night five of the tournament. Well, after day five, I guess, comes night five. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by someone I'm delighted to have seen here for the first time in too long, the smiling face of Tumani Carriol. I've seen, I've seen you smile, obviously, on Zooms and such, Tumani, over the past year and a half or so, but it's lovely seeing you here. You are ours. You are NCR's Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent. And you're at Wimbledon for the Guardian. How you doing? I'm, I'm happy to have kept this title and this job for, for so long. As the, you know, the important Spain and Sub-Saharan African correspondent. So thanks for having me and long may our partnership continue. You know? So we are here recording this right near where a bunch of matches play, got played today. We're not going to talk too much about matches. Although there is one player I want to talk about a bit who was the final player we were in the press conference for this evening. Obviously a big part of your beat as a British tennis writer Andy Murray, Sir Andrew Murray, who won two sort of big nightish matches earlier in the week against Nicholas Bazalashvili and then Oscar Atta, uh, played the final match of the day also today on uh, center court against Denis Shapovalov. He, Murray, fell down on the first point of the match, and it didn't get much better from there. Like, he was getting beat pretty darn soundly, a little bit of a pushback in the first set, lost 6-4, 6-2, 6-2. Fewest games he's won in Wimbledon match in his career out of 70 matches, um, which I think I saw people make that like the headline of their story. And I thought that was a little harsh, but uh, yeah. What? Do you, what? Do you, but then Samuri loses. Not a, not a shock, I guess. Losing to a top 10 player who played, I thought played really well. Shapovalov in that yeah. match and didn't give Murray much space to come back. So all that happens. But then you were really struck by his answer to the final question of the press conference, which was from me. Um, can you talk about why it was striking? And then we'll actually, I'll try to put the audio of it in here. Yeah, so just he, he was, he was in. Obviously, I think Murray is kind of in two, in two minds about the week and and his I guess his progress in general. You know, this has been, you know, two great matches beating Bazalash really twenty fourth seed, which you know is is no is it's an achievement, and also then in the second round against Oscar Oscar Otto. But at the same time, I think I mean he's still and Murray he's still. The competitor, he still wants to be more, and so the fact that I think it's partly that he lost and he wasn't able to give his best, but also thinking back to kind of how much effort has gone into getting here, and and also the fact that despite that, you know he's he's been he's been struggling with a groin injury that has stopped him from training, and it's just uh, I think uh, we in in his press conference we kind of saw you know just him kind of grappling with both of those things you know whether he should feel good about this week or the the kind of dispiriting nature of how he lost and so yeah like to, to give context you know you know he'd been kind of wavering between the two the whole press conference and then Ben came in and, and tried to give a you know to end on a positive note <laughs> and then the whole the mood just fell off the cliff what yeah as, as we'll, we'll hear from the answer yeah so um, yeah so like I was saying that helps us set it up well so Andy been a bit more positive. He starts being positive and then weighs both sides. And I think gives voice to the more sort of pessimistic, morbid career-wise side of his of his outlook in this answer here. So here is Andy Murray. And uh, last question will go to Ben Rothenberg. Andy, hopefully a somewhat upbeat question. I'm curious with 
you saying you obviously were able to stay injury free during this tournament, despite the falls, I guess, and, and also having um, a lot of crowd back and some great atmospheres there. Does this tournament at all feel for you like sort of coming to a, a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of having been through this tough time with your injuries and obviously with the sport and everything that's going through with empty stands and restrictions and whatnot, that at least this might have looked and felt a lot more like the old days in some ways? Yeah, I mean, like it was great playing in front of the crowds again. I mean, I got amazing support here, and yeah, I'm very thankful for that. It's something I've missed, um, and yeah, it kind of reminds you as well, like why, yeah, why you do all of the work and everything. Um, but then, yeah, on the the flip side of that, like like I said, like the the positive part is getting through the matches and you know feeling okay physically and not sort of getting injured and you know that's that you know that's that's good but then there's a part of me that feels a bit like i've put in so much work the last three months and you know ultimately didn't really didn't play how i would want and expect and it's like is it worth it you know is it you know is all of that training and everything that you're doing in the gym you know unless you're able to like practice and be you know improve your game and get matches and continues you know get you know a run of tournaments like you know is it worth all of the you know all of the work that you're you're doing um you know and there's part of me that feels like yes um it is because i had you know great memories and stuff from from this event and you know played in some brilliant brilliant atmosphere but then you know, also I finished the match tonight and I'm saying to my team, I'm like, that's just, yeah, like I'm just not happy with, with, with how I played. So unless um, me and my team can find a way of keeping me on the court for, you know, a consistent period of time and allow me to practice the way that I need to, to compete with these guys, then, yeah, then that's when, you know, the discussions about what I do next um, will, will come in because I've, genuinely put a lot into this to get to this uh to get to this point but i'm i'm not being able to to practice and prepare how i need to to perform how i would like at these uh these events which like i said i'm not expecting and saying like i would beat dennis shapovalov like he's a brilliant player um but i feel like i can do a lot better than what i did um this evening okay thank you very much everybody we're out of time I'm not sure how much there is to say more there that he didn't already say and we didn't already say. You have more to say to go yeah, for Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that what he said was in the heat of the moment and after, you know, just a tough match and probably when he goes away and, and thinks about it, you know, the, the week more, it's possible that he'll come out with a positive kind of, a more positive outlook. And so, so and for me, I think just the big thing is that he even forgetting about results he just really needs to get to a point where he can train consistently and and you know be able to bring his best to the court i imagine it's even kind of more frustrating like him feeling good in certain moments and and knowing that there's tennis that he can actually play good tennis but will his body allow him to do it so yeah we'll, we'll see over the next few months and 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 i think like i think I'm sure like at the end of the year, if, if he is still unable to just train consistently and, you know, be present constantly on the tour, then certainly that, that you, of course he would, you know, question, you know, what he's doing. But 
and you know this is kind of in keeping with him because obviously we were there and i was there i think you were there in australia the year um where he retired we thought yes and like and so he's always been he's been increasingly this part of his career you know like opening openly sometimes wrestling with his sort of tennis mortality and this is keeping with that i mean like you know obviously this wasn't a declarative statement this was him openly questioning things which i guess is easy to like you said heat of the moment losing after losing at wimbledon obviously disappointingly uh not feeling like he was gonna be really close to winning that match at any point uh yeah, he, he he took it hard, and it was interesting to sort of bear it open. And it's also been, I think it's in keeping with the larger theme sort of zoom out for the tournament of, like, there's a lot of questions around, you know, a lot of the sort of players who are the stars of the past decade plus, you know, uh, certainly Serena's in that conversation here after, after the way she went out in her first round with the injury, aggravating injury potentially. We don't, I don't know, all the specifics are there, but, like, aggravating, coming in with her leg wrapped, sort of aggravating that early on and being out after a couple slips and yeah. And then, you know, uh, Venus obviously is still here as well. Uh, Joker Federer's has not looked amazing through his first, uh, two matches. He plays again tomorrow against Cam Nori, which I think a lot of people think it's a losable match for him. We'll see how he does. But yeah. It's been sort of, uh, it's been interesting. It, you know, I think there was sort of always going to be in tennis. And I think a lot of people thought it would be in 2020 before the pandemic, like the sort of floodgate retirement coming. I mean, a lot of people thought it would be in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Re- regarding Federer as well, I think he's been kind of doing that a bit as well. Um, just after, I'm sure you you talked about it before, but after Haller, you know, when he lost early yeah. and it took him two two hours and like forty minutes to come into the press conference and, you know, realizing how tough this comeback has been and how, it, you know, it's just been hard. You know, I, I was struck by, uh, before Wimbledon in his pre-tournament press conference when he said, some when he when he openly said like. You know, I, I'm, I didn't realize I'd be here this long. It's great. We'll see if the level comes back. He doesn't know, so no. we just have to see. No, he, he doesn't know, and so that's yeah. that's all been interesting. Um, any other sort of, like, on-court, like, player stuff that struck? I want to get to, like, finish most of the show with, like, our reflections of what it's like being here. But before we get to that, anything else struck you sort of from the player side? Like, anyone whose words or, or play or anything has particularly resonated with you so far? I will, I will give a quick plug shout to Nick Kyrgios who I think obviously is always outsized in his profile and it's, it's felt like maybe even more so a little bit this tournament because we haven't seen him so often in the last you know while this is his first out of Australia tournament uh, since the pandemic began and yeah and he seems uh, yeah like especially sort of chatty and like yep. philosophical and confident in his like thinking and everything and his wins uh, especially the win over Ugo Amber in the first round was, was very convincing and he's got an interesting sort of third round coming up against Tavilek Sojial, I seem. Um, and, and not a bad part of the draw, honestly. Yeah. I'd say my players at since one center goal was on Jabir yes. earlier today. Yes, yes, yes. Just because, you know, I mean, she, she's not a secret, but she, you know, within tennis, everyone knows her. And, and like, I, I always think about, like, the, the times I've seen her on small courts when, you know, people have no idea who she is. And by the end, they're just like, her biggest fan you know she, yeah. she has that way of just winning people over so it was just fun to see that on on center court you know against the former Wimbledon champion and she you know we, we know how talented Ons is but in in the big matches in the big moments against the big players that there's still that question mark of her kind of you know her ability to close our matches or to play to play up to the moment I mean you know just the French Open against Gogo Goff that was kind of an issue when she was kind of blown off the court in the fourth, in the fourth round 
So just to see her come out there and play some, in my opinion, one of her best big matches. Definitely. You know, she played so well. Like, she just dominated. That stretch where she won 16 points yeah. in a row, which was a center court record, at least for the women, according yeah. to IBM. Um, yeah, she was just, like, sort of transcendent level yeah. stuff. And, then, you know, that's what it should be with her in, in theory because, like, she loves putting on a show. She loves yeah. that kind of tennis. And, you know, she hasn't gotten to play that many matches on the biggest courts at slams in front of crowds in her yeah. career, especially when she's feeling good about her game. Yeah. This is kind of a first and hopefully not the not the last because she, she is, I mean, her draw is tough. She gets Shvantec next, um, who's playing well. So not easy, but really nice to see Ons have that moment and to, uh, yeah. to enjoy it. And to surprise her to see her puke on the up match point. That was unexpected. I don't think it's, it's the first time she's done it. I've heard it no, happens. but, it ha- you know, honestly, <laughs> it's surprising that anybody doesn't puke up match point yeah. in these situations. I would. Yeah. But- um, so speaking of bodily-ness, we're both physically here at Wimbledon. Uh, it's a rough segue, but let's go with it. Uh, it's first tournament, first slam I've been at uh, since Australia 2020, I believe for you as well. Um, since US Open 2019. There you go. Yeah. What has it felt like for you being back? How, how has it felt? Well, Take I mean, us wherever you want. I mean, first of all, like professionally, it feels like... I'm doing my job in a weird way. So, so, like, for context, US Open 2019 was the first, like, week I worked in at, at The Guardian. Yeah. And since then, I've just been in my bedroom, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, it's it's weird. And so, so to be here, it feels just a bit more real, even though it's been a, a long time. Because you're, like, the guy now. I mean... You're the guy. Okay. Yeah. Guardian, he, he's the guy. You're the guy. You, you're well. First of all, you're Spain Sub-Saharan African. Yeah, that's, that's my main job. Okay? That's your main job, obviously. But also, your congratulations on Spain's Euro win, by the way. Thank but, you so much. Um, but Muchas gracias. yeah, exactly. De nada. Um, but you're yeah, you're the guy. And so now you're it's your first time being like the guy at Wimbledon. That's a that's a big part of this job is being the guy at Wimbledon. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't like argue with that, but yeah, and and I think. You know, it's bit. You know, I, I can't. On one hand, I can't really complain because I've had a, a job for the past eighteen months, and it's you know that's been great. But being again, being at home in in your room, and it's been weird. Sometimes it's been just tough, like just you know trying to be part of a tournament. You know, yeah. the time there's time zone things like doing yeah. it in Australia, and and be you know other things are just I don't know. It where you know be, being I, I really the one part of the job I really enjoy is like in, you have these two weeks where like your entire life is just immersed in this exactly. one tournament right and you know we're, we're sitting here past midnight on center court you know <laughs> going nowhere and and sorry and, and so like but do it it's completely different to to that being you know just in your bedroom and having to kind of be you know commit so much of of yourself of your time while not really feeling like you're part of it at all no that's completely right and like being like this is something that i know we've talked about before too and i know obviously something courtney talked about in the draw show that she's been struggling with like being disconnected time zone wise and physically from tournaments and it's been tough and i gotta say this probably hopefully courtney doesn't listen to this because it won't make her feel better (laughs) i didn't realize just how hard it had been until i got back here and i was like wow like this is i'm back at wimbledon and the last four slams had all been in my bedroom yeah. for me, like not attached to it. No one else in the house, especially not the dog, caring about the tournament. Like I was, I made a joke the other day at, you know, we we're getting dinner, um, you, me and Jimmy, I made a joke about Camilla Georgie and folks laughed. Yeah. And 
I can't make those jokes with anybody I know at home. Like, no, like I, you know, not that I'm nothing harmful about Camilla Georgie. I'll respect Camilla Georgie. I thought she'd do better at this tournament, honestly. Um, but like being around people who are part of the tribe, who speak the language, who are also in this event at the event, like you do get synced up in a lot of ways with the heartbeat of the event from being here. Yeah. And it's less so than usual still because we don't have the in-person press conference. So we're still doing Zoom. Yeah. And so it's still this like awkward, like 20% of it feels still like doing it remote. Um, an important part of it, important 20% part, because also like there's been a lot of moderator issues with them cutting s- stuff short in terms of interviews and press conferences and whatnot. So like the access is notably worse, but the actual f- physical presence of being here has been, I think, more meaningful than I expected it to be just from a pure work perspective, just from feeling mm-hmm. like I'm there. And then obviously, yes, like the sort of existential life purpose stuff helps too. Like I feel like I'm actually <laughs> doing my job kind of the way it was in, in, it designed and invented by whoever first showed up to a sporting event, you know, back hundred plus years ago to cover it for who God knows who, like it was, that was how you're supposed to do it it's from being there and telling people what happened. And obviously access has changed a lot, especially in terms of fan access, like being able to watch every court live on demand, uh, we don't have, no have to tell readers what happened if they really care. We're not the only eyes and ears of people. They can now have the eyes and ears of the cameras and microphones on every court. And so that part is drastically changed. That's a different conversation from some other time. But, like, that part is drastically changed about being here. But, like, still still feeling, like, just for myself, like, that I was doing the best I could over the past uh, 18 months. And I don't think it was very good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think anybody, I say yeah. writ large, I don't think anybody was, do, was doing a great job because it's very hard to. Yeah. And then the, the ceiling is so low for what you can achieve um, being offsite uh, covering things. Honestly, at this like sidebar, like the only like story I was like really proud of that I did during the last 18 months was like the Olya story. And I went and talked to her in person. Like that was, that's how that happened. Like remote stories. Like there's just not much that I'm honestly like proud of or think was honestly that good. But thank you for reading all of it anyway, folks, if you did. Um, yeah, but it's nice. And not that everything right here is amazing either, but like, it's just nice to feel like I'm actually, in some ways, doing what I can. And obviously, there's been frustrations, and, and I knew there would be like headaches of all the testing protocols and stuff that foreigners have to do here and whatnot, and uh, quarantining and whatever, and, and the lack of in person contact with players and coaches and stuff. But overall, yeah. it's nice. It does feel like meaningfully like a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, and also, you know, to go back to like the almost like debriefing after a press conference or, or something, yeah. that, that, that's valuable. You know, if, oh, if totally. to, to like to share thoughts and to you know what like, you think. You sent me a message like earlier, like what was that Murray answer? Like that went like that went south quickly. Yeah. For and I was like, and I came over and we talked about it, whatever. Yeah. And other people over there who also, you know, your Stu Frazier's of the world, whoever else is on your row, like it's relevant to like their jobs yeah, too, yeah. and they're there, and it's a community. Yeah. Again, and yes, we have some group chats and stuff, but like, it's not, yeah, it's not, not the same. Not the same. At not all. the same. Yeah. So, anyway, has has being back here after an absence has anything sort of. I don't know if I have an answer to this one. I'm going to make you answer it first. Has, has anything sort of changed? you see anything differently here than you used to from being back here after, after a two-year absence? I'll be honest. Um, Wimbledon is a lot whiter than I remember it, to be honest mm. with you. Honest, you know. I don't know. It, 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 it just, yeah. I wonder if it's especially whiter this year. Like, oh, because of the limit, because of 50% crowd, I wonder if 50% who's getting in, it's disproportionately yeah. the white crowd. Yeah. And it's very possible. Possible, yeah. Yeah, just, it, you know, Wimbledon is, I'm from South London, but not South London that is Wimbledon. It's the kind of a, almost a different world. <laughs> but so, it's, yeah, I don't know, just coming here and and seeing kind of the, I guess, I guess 
in in a normal time I I'm observing everything, but just observing the crowd and the people around me even more because I mean I've not been around people. Yeah. It's just yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's made me think a lot about when the place Wimbledon has in tennis and you know how at least in, particularly you know so, so so coming into this event there was a lot of criticism about it becoming a pilot event where so many people could come in and and a lot of the public were critical of yeah. of Wimbledon because it it was kind of well it, it's seen by a lot of people and even a lot more than I thought as you know this upper class sport where yeah. you know and it's kind of true it's definitely I mean like certainly like you look around Wimbledon it's a whole lot of white people yes. um, I think it's also interesting I think because of the testing protocols and the vaccine rollout and stuff I think there's fewer I was thinking today as I was writing about it I think there's probably fewer kids on site too it's almost yeah, yeah, all yeah. adults yeah. Um, and so it's an interesting sort of like it's a fewer families maybe yeah, that'll change on the weekend fam- or yeah. something yeah but maybe so maybe that'll change but um, since obviously kids aren't getting the vaccine here yet or most places like young kids so um, maybe that'll change but like yeah you're you're right and like the other thing I want to say on that, like that you mentioned the test event, like it's it was very striking to me the first time I came in center court, which I came in to watch the first match. I came in to watch Djokovic Draper, which was the opening match on here because I was going to do a story originally about center court walk-ons and stuff that didn't wind up happening, um, and not yet anyway. Maybe it'll happen later, but I was really struck by like, oh my gosh, this is a stadium full of people, and maybe generously three percent of them are wearing masks, like hopping around that kind of crowd anywhere. And the roof was closed, and so it was technically indoor. Um, and this is also still why I hadn't finished my testing. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, I could like catch it here and test positive, and get the rest of my trip derailed." And not that I'm worried about getting sick, because I'm double vaccinated, but I could still theoretically get a positive test. Although I still think like people are really underplaying how much the vaccine uh, reduces transmission and such, um, and that is meaningful. But anyway, yeah, it's like, and that's something people see on TV. Uh, it's like people are like, "Wow, it looks totally normal there in this world." It's not. Not right. And it's very different, obviously, than where we were in the world a year ago um, with Adria Tour, which is roughly about a year ago um, when there was no vaccines. And this crowd is largely vac- vaccinated. And if not to get any else to show proof of a, a, a negative lateral flow test, there's obviously talk about people faking those results. Theoretically, I can't imagine that's happening on mass. I don't know. Um, but yeah, what has it been like for you just being around crowds of people? whatever their racial makeup, maybe that's a totally, you know, you know, valid first reaction to it. But like, what is your thought about being around crowds and seeing this event come back to normal? Because we're in center court now. And um, so what you see on TV, basically the empty part in the 50% full is all the part you can't see on TV really. It's all this part that's like uh, under the shadow of the, of the overhang and the upper deck and the upper nosebleeds we'd say in the U.S. Although it's not really that high up here, Um, but it looks totally full and like, and not distanced. Really? Yeah. So what is what does that felt like for you being I mean, in here? I mean, yeah, the whole kind of that that really took me by surprise. That it's you know the obviously the entire point of fifty percent is is of people being in the stadium is that it's not that theoretically not everyone is packed right together. Yeah, theoretically it's distancing, but it hasn't <laughs> but, been distancing yeah, at all. But, but everyone will just move down. So that that was striking. Was well, I think they're actually these are the seats they actually have. I don't think people are moving volitionally. Down because the upper decks are uniformly empty up here. Yeah, it's not. I that, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like people, yeah. people aren't. They aren't selling yeah, those seats. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just that that just kind of clashed with the image I had in in my mind of what it would be like. Yeah. But strangely, that that's that's been the kind of least the crowds. I mean, it's it's been strange just seeing people and being around so many people. 
by the same time, you know, we're, so so here we've kind of opened up, like, you know, people are returning to pubs and all of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it just kind of reinforces that, like, it's not, you know, the restrictions are a lot less than we're all kind of, yeah. we're all going to have to like get back to normal at some point and like everyone's pace for doing that is different and there are you know some people in the press room who because of the country they're from are not vaccinated if they live in countries where the vaccine is not rolling out at the speed in which it is in i think most of europe and in the u.s definitely and so there's still like a mix there but like it's also interesting and so i like i would be nervous if i was those people for sure being here at times also because like the the press room the master not getting warm in the press room even very that much was, honestly that was the weirdest that's thing. the weirdest thing i <laughs> thought i was gonna wear my desk all the time at my desk like all the whole time i was here i thought i had to wear the mask yeah and i didn't even realize in the stadium it would be allowed to be off but it's like basically yeah. it's much rarer for it to be on yeah. as it turns out like basically when you're moving from one place to another yeah, is when you're supposed right. to have your mask on but you get, everyone's sitting at their desks and honestly like especially my half the press room which is the international half it's so empty yeah. that like i'm not within um I'm not good at guessing distances. I'm probably not within like, I don't know what, like seven meters of anybody else. Unless unless somebody happens to walk by my desk. Yeah. But like there's no one sitting that near me. So I don't feel like unsafe per se, but it's still like, it's just so weird taking off like the, the, the safety, you know, on, yeah. on, to use a gun term. Like, you know, like it's just weird sort of like opening back up in a lot of ways. It's going to be for a lot of people. I'm sure a lot of people have a harder time with it than I do too it's just weird it was, it was certainly weird like the first day i came and wearing a mask in the press room and then turning around and being like am i in a different you know have i moved into a, you know an alternate universe where none of this shit happened one of one of your compatriots was walking towards me uh to ask a question about something and i started putting on my mask and they were like what are you doing and i was like i'm like this is what i've been doing for 18 like i'm not gonna be like around somebody i don't, but you know were they right or wrong I think they were wrong, certainly, because you criticized somebody for that. Um, especially when I still, like, again, like, hadn't gotten all my tests done yet. Um, I don't know. It's just, like, it's 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 going to be a weird sort of journey out of the woods. A lot of people. And then, you know, obviously there's this whole... People in the U.S. are talking about, like, oh, there's a Delta variant in the U.K. that we're all supposed to be scared about, I guess. I'm personally not, because it's supposedly the vaccine. My vaccine still works fine against it. So what I don't understand why I'd personally be worried. Um, but... People are going to still look for reasons to sort of, this is gonna sound, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to cut myself off there. <laughs> people are still going to, people are going to still be like unsure of how to like stand down because the vi- level of vigilance that was required and done by so many people was so intense and still is so intense for a lot of people. Like it's hard to like get back to normal in a lot of ways in life. And so this event feels part of the way there, but I also still know like I still need to get another test before they let me back into the U.S. <laughs> I need to get a test before I leave here, before I get on the plane. Like, it's still, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's a, a long way to go. I mean, we're, we're going to, the next is, a, as we're talking about, a, a full U.S. Open, and then God knows, you know, what happens with the Australian Open. So. Yeah, Australia's weird. Australia's a weird one, but U.S., yeah, you're right. Like, U.S., I'm expecting. That's going to be so weird, honestly. Uh, Australia? Uh, no, U.S. Open. That, that, for me, like, being around a full, you know, because to, to, to explain here, Obviously, it's fifty percent, so the grounds are more empty, and yeah. you you move around, and you know you're away. From, you're not. Doesn't it's not feel packed. empty, empty, but it's not, not empty. But yeah. yeah, compared to like when you know sometimes you just got you know you'll be in a corridor where everyone's packed tightly together, and you know that that happens at all slams. So yeah. 
at the US Open, that's going to be a, a, a an interesting situation to yeah. be in. Especially knowing New York's history with Corona, obviously they're one of the first big cities outside of China uh, to get hit hard by it. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it does feel like a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. And at other times, it feels like Black hole. well, a train coming at you out of that tunnel. Yep. You know, that's the train. And like they tell it's a train coming at you. But, uh, but yeah, the night train won here, at least today. And Tumani, thank you for, uh, for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll send my invoice in the buzz. <laughs> sure. Please do. So thank you to Tumani for being on the show once more. And thank you to all of you, especially our Patreon backers, starting with our Slam Champ backers. James Hindle, Susanna W., Anna Valinder, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Sean Mulroy, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Antonio Maycumber, Ashley Keel, Timothy Liu, Jean Simeon, and our special silent backer, and our GOAT backers, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J-O-D. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining is the place to do it. If you enjoy the rest of y'all's Wimbledon, bye.